I'm just gonna have another drink And when I'm putting working on the weekend I look back on this and think How we had the club going up On a Tuesday Got your girl in the cut she choosing Club going up Welcome Pewter Report readers and listeners to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I am Mark Scook. Did I just say Scook? I don't know what I'm thinking. I messed up my name before too. It's, pretty, it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough last name, I mean, to be honest. Yeah, I know. It's a lot of uh, syllables in Cook. Uh, There's a lot I'm of letters. Mark, <laughs> I'm Mark Smook, along with my boss, Mr. <laughs> uh, Scott Mennels. And uh, John Redyard is also in the podcast as well. What's up, fellas? How are you guys doing? Great. It's a Victory Tuesday. We got a Victory Monday pod in and now Victory Tuesday. And we've got tons to talk about today. And Bucks fans, if you're tuning in, you're jumping onto this live show. We're going to take your questions today. We've got topics. We've got things we want to touch on. But we want to make sure we're getting to your questions. So if you're jumping in the show and you've got questions, let them fly. If you want to drop us a super chat donation, we love those. We greatly appreciate those as well. Um, those are, are, are huge for us. Uh, but if you're if you're jumping in here and you're like, man, this is awesome, you're talking Bucks football or we're live, you know, we're doing this four days a week. Uh, you can go over to Pewter Report TV. You can subscribe, hit that bell, get the notifications for when we go live. We'll be live tomorrow at 4 p.m. and Thursday at 4 p.m. We'll be talking Bucks football, previewing a huge matchup coming up with the Saints. Uh, we've got a t- big matchup, so we got a ton to talk about this week. But today we're going to take your questions. So start thinking as we as we start talking and drop your best questions questions in the chat and we'll try to take as many as we can today but definitely kicking off the show with some talking about and discussing this bucks offense what in the world i mean yesterday's first half mark you weren't all with scott and i after the game so i want to i definitely want to start with you if we can and just get your some of your thoughts like this bucks offense comes out sputtering as i did say in fairness to them i did say that i thought that would be the case uh when when this game started but sputtering and then built up in the second half and most of the second half really they didn't finish drives in the end zone all the time but they looked okay just your overall thoughts on the offense mark and and kind of what direction you see them headed in at this time well the good news is ryan suck up was four for four the bad news is he was four for four because that i can't believe you brought him up i can't believe you brought i can't believe you I brought thought, up I, ryan suck up. <laughs> I thought we were okay now scott did the other <laughs> we're day okay. i thought He's making field goals. He's hitting 88%. We can say Ryan suck up, Ryan suck up, Ryan suck up, Ryan suck up all we want. We're so screwed for the Saints game. Yeah, (laughs) and here we go back at home and him kicking the game winner in the south end zone. Good job, Scott. Oh, boy. Uh, Not my fault. He's just been automatic. But my point is that's 12 points instead of 28 points. Um, it, It was okay because you're playing Daniel Jones and the Giants last night, but it almost wasn't okay. Um, You know, and... It, it was it was a frustrating game, although you'd always kind of felt the Buccaneers were going to win, even when they were down 11 points. At one point, um, you know, I had people texting me, and I said, just relax, all right? They're probably not going to cover, but uh, just, just relax. They're going to win this football game. Although I was a little nervous when they converted a fourth and 16, and I texted you guys in the group chat, and I said, Scott, the, the 97 to 2002 team, there's yeah. no way, no how they convert yeah. that in that situation. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. And there was a couple other uh, fourth down conversions or, or, or long conversions on that last drive that just shouldn't have happened. But, um, you know, overall, it's a win. It wasn't a pretty win. Um, that's okay. I mean, I thought it was going to be a two score, three score win easily. 
but um but they won and and now it's on to the saints that's that's pretty right. much my synopsis of it because uh everything else has probably kind of been beaten a little bit as far as last night's game and, and i think you know everything now is is full throttle ahead for the new orleans saints Right. And Scott, you know, one of the guys that they'll be adding is Antonio Brown, obviously will play this week against the Saints. We'll be honestly, you know, at times last night, the first half we were talking amongst ourselves in the Peter Report group chat, as I was saying yesterday in the show. And it was it was kind of a man. You could see why they tried to make the move for Antonio Brown. And then in the second yeah. half, I thought guys stepped up, honestly, and made plays. But still, this is a team that's going to add a, a dynamic playmaker in Antonio Brown. And to, and hopefully maybe get Chris Godwin back. So who, as you look at this roster, they have carried seven wide receivers in one game this year, I think, against the Packers. Obviously, this you know one of your roster favorites, uh, Cyril Grayson. This doesn't look great for him. Adding Antonio Brown uh, in terms of his chances of sticking right. around on the roster. But there's also the added layer of okay, even if we even if Cyril Grayson gets cut, which everyone expects, is this a team that's going to keep seven wide receivers active when Chris Godwin's back? Or is somebody going to go down and the, who wins the punt return job? Does Tyler Johnson, who kind of got his snaps cut into by Jaden Mickens last night, surprisingly, is he the inactive guy? How do you think they address this the roster in the wide receiver position when Antonio Brown gets added? Well, don't, I, don't I you think, think okay, don't you? Let me just add this real yeah. quick, and I guess we can talk about this. I, th- I, I, Posted a highlight video of Antonio Brown on the Bucks Monday mailbag. It's about a fifteen-minute highlight, and uh, I forgot what a dynamic kick returner this guy was. I don't know, John. You know a little bit more about how often he was used in that role. The Buccaneers had Deshaun Jackson and would sparingly use him when they mm-hmm. tried to get a big, you know, needed a big spark. Ironically, against Pittsburgh in that Monday night game, Scott, that Chris Conte uh, retired right. after. But, yep. uh, and he returned it for a touchdown, but it was called back because of a penalty, if you remember. Right. But, yep. uh, boy, that is just that dynamic, you know, special teams guy that this team has mm-hmm. just not had in years. I would, I mean, you know, if you want to find the guy touches, that's certainly a way to do it. Uh, to get him to, to kick, you know, to, to return some kicks. Mm-hmm. Now you don't right. want it to turn into a Jalen Waddle situation, like like Nick Saban's probably kicking himself, uh, you know, having his one of his best guys as a kick returner, then injuring his ankle a couple weeks ago. But uh, I, I hope I hope that they use him because that's something I've been complaining about for 10, 12, 15 years. You know, the lack of emphasis on kick returns, and I know mm-hmm. it's different in today's NFL, but we saw. Uh, Jaden Mickens have three returns last night, and he averaged twenty six point three on those, which was great. He kind of he actually made the honorable mention on my most impressive list because of that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but it'd be that that's a that's a field changing type weapon oh, yeah. that this team just hasn't had. No, I I definitely think that's the case. And when, when you look at at uh, at Jaden Mickens, right, he's he's been a, a pretty decent return guy, and and certainly was playing that Chris Govin role. But but John, I don't think that Tyler Johnson is going to be the guy that gets cut into. And the reason why is because if you look, a lot of times Mickens wasn't that guy that was being put in motion as that blocker. Like we've seen that Chris Godwin, you know, will occupy in that role in the slot. Tyler Johnson was occupying that role in the run game and he's a bigger body than Mickens. So believe it or not, even though Mickens had probably the most action he's seen all year Mm -hmm. in last night's game, I think Mickens could be the odd man out if this team believes that Antonio Brown can do punt and kick returns. He's just right. a better weapon, right? I, I think that yeah. that uh, we've kind of been advocating for four wide receivers and, and, and putting you know him and Scotty Miller and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the field at the same time. It is literally pick your poison. I mean, that is right. that is Tom Brady's dream scenario right there. And then 
for your other guy? Is it Fournette in the backfield, or is it Gronk? You know, in the in the slot, or if, you know, as a flex tight end. Mm-hmm. Pick your poison, man. Right. Yeah, it's interesting because Antonio Brown has obviously he's a great return man. I mean, four punt returns, a kickoff return, and he barely was even used as a kickoff return guy for in Pittsburgh uh, for touchdowns. Dynamic in the open field, consistently got good returns. Hardly ever dropped the ball. Hardly ever took losses on returns. So he was he's the consummate return guy. Honestly, the only question always was, is he going to get hurt? And he's your best player. And now it's not that much of a concern you're probably not even gonna have him playing a full offensive workload so absolutely he should be the return guy as soon as he's got his feet back under him and from that point i'd agree with you scott that mickens needs to be the guy that that sat down we're getting a ton of questions here big earn says this super chat is donation which we greatly appreciate is to upgrade mark's camera <laughs> no you mark don't want over there you do not want my camera upgraded me it's very blurry now i'm saying listen this is a true story <laughs> I am using a MacBook Pro, a $2,600 computer company mm-hmm. paid for, by the way, because if not, I would be on a, a, a Surface tablet. But the, <laughs> I'm using it, and I'm using the HD camera, and I don't understand what the problem is. I will say, Scott, you were on the Loose Cannons podcast last yeah. week or the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and I, I've been meaning to to text Sammer and ask him what camera, if they use an external camera, that may be yeah, my next purchase. Yeah, because they do. It, they is, do. it is beautiful. Yep. They're, they're, I mean, no, again, you, I don't know that you want to see me in HD. We're, we're, we're going to need a few more Super Chat donations for that one. <laughs> yeah. you're, Mark, are, you're on to it, and that's exactly right. We are going to use our Super Chat donations to upgrade the the cameras for all of us and so we're we're doing these now four days a week gray in the beard yeah exactly yeah yeah so yeah want to be able to see that uh good question here from alex hodo what is the identity of the bucks offensive line i can jump in on this one first and we'll just quick hit it and keep going because we do have a lot of questions but it's pass protection. The group is built for pass protection. Scott and I talked about this a little bit. I think it was yesterday actually on the show. Yeah, they're night. built for pass protection. That's the, you know there are a bunch of left tackles. Scott, you said in college there are a bunch of offensive tackles. You know there are a bunch of guys who are built for pass protection, and they have the offense that's perfect for it. And they're doing an excellent job at it. You know they are not a mall move you off the ball type of offensive line. And frankly, that's it perfectly. It is exactly how it should be because in the NFL, when you build offensive lines like that, it is not typically worked out very well because you have to go to the passing game. You think, you know, of we mentioned Jacksonville a few years ago when Leonard Fournette was in his rookie right. year or whatever, but when they had to go to the passing game, things just evaporated and fell apart too often. And so that's why I think the Bucks offensive line is built perfectly, developed perfectly to have success in the modern NFL. They can do things in the run game. Frankly, I don't think the scheme behooves them very well in the run game a lot of the time. I think their Gentlemen. best run plays come on these oh, counters a lot of the time. Breaking news. We got some breaking news. Just oh, re- breaking news on the pod. Just received word from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that the team has activated wide receiver Antonio Brown to the active roster. And they have waived. Who are they going to wave, Sorrell John? Grayson. Who's they going to wave, Tom Mark? Brady. Tom Brady. No, no Sorrell Grayson. Oh, damn. Yes. Well, <laughs> Scott's yes, wish man. came true. It did. Scott's it did wish came true. true. Hey, yes. can I say something about the offensive line? I, I, think, I think, John, that this offensive line is capable of being a mauling top offensive line. I mean, Donovan Smith is actually – we see him two or three times a game where he just dominates a guy. We also see two or three times a game – where he just completely whiffs and misses a guy. But I, I meant to send you the video last night. There was a play where Leonard Fournette got stuffed for about a two-yard loss. And 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 I and I just taped it from my phone, and I'll send it to you guys later, and I'll put it on my Twitter, at MarkCook1973. 
70 or maybe the Pewter Report account. I have no idea what the scheme was on this. And I'm afraid the offensive line had no idea either. You had you had Ryan Jensen trying to block down to get to the uh, right defensive end. And Donovan Smith is standing there with his hands up, just kind of like a, a safety net guy. I have no idea why. I don't know where Ali Marpet was going. I have no idea Ryan Jensen is trying to block down, and Donovan Smith did absolutely nothing. I question, John, you said that. I don't I don't know that they scheme this very well. And they have a running game coordinator, a guy mm-hmm. who that's his job is to coordinate the run game plan every week. Running game coordinator. And, and I don't see it. And when Ronald Jones was breaking off 100-yard games, I would say 70% of that was Ronald Jones doing a lot of it on his own, to be honest with you. I don't know yeah. that it was blocked up great. So I, I, I don't right. know what that identity is. I, it, it's certainly a pass-first identity, uh, mm-hmm. but, but they can be much better uh, up front running the football. And, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand that. Running, and Scott, you coached football. I coached uh, high school and, and youth football. It is a mentality you have to have that you're just yep. nastier and meaner, meaner than the other guy. And we saw that with the Giants last night. Their five guys, including three guys who hadn't played much before, uh, that just outwilled the front four of the or the front three and even the linebackers mm-hmm. at times of this Buccaneer offensive line. And that was frustrating as hell to see because this Buccaneer offensive line is better than they played last night as far as the run game goes. And the Giants are not as good as the Buccaneers, and yet they really were the better offensive line in terms of, of run blocking last night. Yeah, and some of the big issues last night, honestly, you're in the Bucks' run game, Joe Haig. I mean, Joe Haig has not been really helpful for two games now. He's out there a ton. You know, they did finally pass out of formations where Joe Haig's on the field, finally. which is, which is good. Right, but at the same time, you're taking guys out. You know, you're talking about two- and three-man route combinations usually when Joe Haig's out there. So it's I don't know that that's going to be a sustainable thing for the offense, but he had a holding penalty last night. He was consistently losing yeah. uh, one-on-one battles. I felt like, you know, again, Giants are a tough matchup because he's out there on the edge where normally you'd have a, an edge defender, a typical edge defender, an undersized guy, and he's having to deal with guys like Leonard Williams, you know, on the edge. So in the run game, the Giants are a really tough matchup because they play four defensive tackles. That's yeah. that's just really tough to match up against, no matter how good you are at run blocking. And they have tight ends that are blocking D tackles out there in the edge in this run game, and it just isn't effective. You know, Cam Brake got chucked all over the place in the first right, half. Yeah. You know, he just he's just not he's, that's not what he yeah. does. And so to me, it was the Bucks. The way to beat the Giants in the run game is to get outside of them because they don't have great athletes up front, but they have great power up front. They can handle it if you run straight at them but the bucks don't aren't a run game that goes outside and so it was just kind of a game where i felt like they to their credit in the first half i thought they used counter effectively twice they don't run it enough in my opinion right. it's their best run scheme and when they yep. get somebody pulling and kicking somebody out or even split zone i think those are the best when they get somebody pulling across the formation and provide a clear line of sight a clear defined gap for a guy like leonard fournette who doesn't have great vision to go toward I think that's when they're most successful. They did it a couple of times and it was okay. You know, five yard gain and the the uh, the nine yard gain or whatever came on those types of plays. But when they tried to run straight ahead into that Giants defense, it did not work. And uh, I think we talk about offensive weaknesses for the Bucks. Yeah. I think the run game is just not one that's going to carry you. I think that's John, totally fine, but I just think that's the way it is. Yeah, I mean, when when you look at at the the running back distribution, this is what I pointed out in my SRS Fab Five, and and you had it. The numbers in your snap count, I'm sorry, not the fat five, the two-point conversion. Um, mm-hmm. You had it in your snap count analysis. This is the second week in a row 
that Leonard Fournette has come back and has just stolen carries and 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 playing time from Ronald Jones. And it was crazy because Ronald Jones up till the Raiders game had three 100-yard rushing games in a row. And then all of a sudden, last night, Leonard Fournette, 51 snaps in the game. And I was stunned to see Ronald Jones only have seven, 17. Uh, I didn't realize during during that that, that the – that, that it was that big of a discrepancy. And I know that Fournette's in there on third downs, right? He's replaced Shady McCoy in that role. But, Mark, I mean, we've really seen Ronald Jones take a backseat to Leonard Fournette now. But, second but, week but in you, a row. Knew, you knew as soon as he fumbled that ball yes. and the Giants scored, yep. his ass was coming off, which I right. I get it, right? But, Mark, how many turnovers did the Bucks have last night? Uh, uh, one. One. <laughs> they had one. Ronald Jones. That's it. I, I agree. No. But but and, and hold on. Let's go back to Bruce Arians's his initial meeting with with the media members. And you asked him the question. And this was about Jameis Winston at the time. How many right. interceptions yeah. are you allowed to throw in, in a game? And what did he say? What, what's the what's the tolerable number? He said, Well, well, obviously we want none but one. Yeah, one. he said if J- if Jameis throws just one a game, we we can still win football games. Anything more right. than that, you're hurting your chances of winning. Yep. But but Ron, I mean, that was just that wasn't a, a, a poor play by Ronald Jones. That wasn't him yeah. carrying the ball it was a like great play like LaShawn McCoy. Yeah. And, you know, the ball he got ne- tipped. he never the secured the catch. It. It's just a simple catch. I just I know well, I know the ball was tipped, but it goes right to. He's I just, going down on his knees. He's trying to get back up. I I agree, and particularly in in the field position, and and players have to be cognizant of where they are on the field. Right? Okay. Yeah. You know, at that point, both arms on the ball and crap. If you don't get back up and it's a two yard game, then it's a two yard game. You can't run the risk of of turning the ball over inside your own twenty yard line. I do yeah. understand that, but I still one thousand percent believe Ronald Jones is the best pure runner on this football team. I think he's better. He has better vision uh, than Leonard Fournette. And and I think it's just ridiculous, this doghouse that he continually gets put in. We saw that in Las Vegas, yeah. although Bruce denied but, it. But, but he's I, putting I don't himself buy it. in that doghouse. It's it's him dropping. James Winston threw th- 30 interceptions last year and did not right. get and the he doghouse gone. until the season. Well, <laughs> yeah. you're right, he, he did. You're and right, there but there no were games where he viable threw. backup. There's no viable backup now. There is with Leonard Fournette, and that's the difference. Well, I still, I, I do still see it both him. ways. I see it both ways because I agree with you, Mark. Rojo's the best runner on the team. He's a better player than Fournette. I'd rather have the ball, but at the same time, the reality is the guy makes way too many mistakes, and he's not, he might be better than Fournette, but he's not good enough to keep giving chances to. And that's where I think Arians gets frustrated. Now, Arians is too short of a fuse. I agree with that. He needs to be patient with players, but at the same time, this is year three for Rojo, like. You, eventually, you can't drop a wide. You can't drop as many year, balls as he does. Every year, he's gotten better. I mean, he's not going to be perfect. What right. every TV commentator in the history of a football game says the same thing: guy throws an interception or a guy fumbles, you go right back to that guy, right? You build his confidence back up. Not Bruce. He's not off Bruce the field. Arians, no. Nope, nope, you're done. You know what I mean? Yep. We'll throw you back in there when <laughs> Leonard can't breathe anymore, bones sticking out of his leg. But yeah. until then, yeah. you know, go sit on the bench. And look, that may have something to do with Ronald Jones inside the locker room, his practice habits. It's, it's, I don't, I, I find it hard to believe that you pull a guy off the field who dominated for three straight games for dropping a, a screen pass in, in Las Vegas and, you know, for a awkward, weird fumble, but yeah. whatever. I mean, I'm not coaching this team and they're, they're, what are they six and two now? So they were two and six last year at this time. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you have some, you bring up some good points, honestly. You know, we got to move on. But Edward Brandon says, we miss Godwin. First down play calling sucks. The cornerbacks played too far off and got beat inside in quick shots, also got beat in the flat. I do want to just mention these stats on the first down play calls. Yeah, I think the end of the game. The, good find. Yeah, the last drive of the game was like, it, you know, recency bias is one of the strongest forces in the world, and it sticks with us sometimes. And the last drive of the game, the Bucks ran three times on first down, but they only ran six times on first down in the entire second half. Um, so this wasn't, you know, the, the second half, they really, what they did was they totally adjusted. They went past heavy, you know, that last drive of the game, like I said, they ran on three first downs, you know, but they kept the drive moving because Brady was, was great on that but they drive. Had to. But they were behind, they were behind. Well, no, when they came they were up no, at no, this no. point on that drive. Yeah, they, yeah, this was once, the drive once, right oh, before yeah, once they got the lead. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. This was once they got the lead. So they're trying to run some clock. So I get the first down runs. They weren't successful, but, you know, two, but, two and negative two yards on those plays, but, but overall night, in the game, they were pass heavy on first down. But Bruce said last night, well, you know, that helps establish play action. But statistics show, right. I don't know if it's your stat, John, or, or Taylor's. Who, you, you tell them about the analytics. Stat nerds, but, I mean, the, the fact <laughs> is, the analytics say, you know, you can still be successful running play action because it just causes the linebackers, cornerbacks, yeah. everybody still to have freeze to read just for that split second. As a linebacker, you got to read your key. That's the Absolutely. Yep. With, you know, so, uh, you know, forcing first down runs to set up play action later in the game, I think is just – Absolutely ridiculous. When you bring Joe Hagan on first down, and I mean, everybody in the stadium, well, there was nobody in the stadium except the people on the sidelines, but you understand what I'm saying. Everybody watching TV right. knew exactly what the play call was. Uh, and 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 I tweeted it in the first half, another Byron first down run. And it's very frustrating because you've pointed yeah. it out, John, that you, know, you can get, even if it's a four-yard gain, on, on a pass, maybe it's a pass to Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones. That's an extension of the running game. The, right. the second and nines, uh, the third and eights, those are so hard to convert, even when you have a guy like Tom Brady, quarterback. Well, right. and, 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 and hold on. I like your point there, Mark, about, about the quick passing game. And, and really the two guys that we've seen featured in that little smoke route uh, wide receiver screen, is is Chris Godwin, and of course he was out, yeah. and then Scotty Miller, and I think that's where Antonio Brown, John, is going to make a big impact. You've seen Absolutely. it in Pittsburgh, oh, is yeah. and and we heard that Mark today on the conference call with Bruce Arians. It's you know I think Jen Elaine asked him a question, you know how can Antonio Brown help your offense, and he said you know we just need to get we we need him to be a playmaker, get the ball in his hands, and and let him operate. Yeah, well, they, they and, don't and, have a guy and, like that. That's the biggest thing he brings to the team that they don't really have. I mean, Chris Godwin will break tackles. He'll get yeah. vertical. He's aware with the ball in his hand, but he's not like an elusive player with the ball in his hands. And at least the last version of Antonio Brown we saw, he was a guy that the Steelers could get the ball in his hands right. because he made people miss. I mean, there really isn't anything about playing wide receiver that Antonio Brown has not done in his career at an elite level. So you do have to – I mean, like we're, if we're getting vintage Antonio Brown, if the Bucs are getting him, then you're talking about – you're talking about a player who is who is dynamic, but I, assuming he's not vintage, Antonio Brown still, I, I still think that what he adds after the catch on the shorter routes, they haven't had that. And Brady, he will take it if it's there. He'll take it. Sometimes you got to make a guy miss and make a play, and the Bucks really aren't built that way. And it's the one thing kind of missing from the offense. Yeah. Uh, All right. Keep moving on because there there are great questions here that that we want to get to, but we want to get to some of these on the defensive side of the ball for sure uh, because that there there are some 
I think some big topics for us to jump into uh, on I, that side of the ball. Can I interrupt you real quick? Yes, uh, absolutely. Interruption, but um, Mark Fisher is uh, one of our super chat guys. He's having a little comp- trouble with his computer, but he's donated his money. And his question today was uh, watching the game. Did you guys all agree or disagree with the decision to go for two in the third quarter? Uh, first of all, like you guys it. know I did. Uh, yeah, I thought I it was like the it. right move to go, you know, right there because 15 to 14 or 16 to 14 makes no difference. But you're right. You have to think this is third quarter. You've got to think, okay, you know, in the fourth quarter in a situation where if the Buccaneers had kicked that extra point, the Giants were down nine at that point and, and would have exactly. had to score the a touchdown. Over. Then, so, yeah. yeah, the game's over at yeah. that point. So you yeah. can, you can, you know, I understand why they did it. I think one of the bigger questions to me was, uh, did they make the right call not going for it on that last drive when they kicked the suck-up field goal to make it an eight-point game uh, when it's a half yard right there? That's, that goes back to that Bears game, that question, you know, what are we? Are we aggressive? I tended to agree with kicking the field goal because then you make the Bears have to go right. down. The, I'm sorry, not the Bears, but you have to make the Jets go down the field to score yeah. and get the two-point conversion, which I didn't think there was a good chance of both of those things Agreed. happening. Turns out it was pretty close to both of those things happening. Yeah, the, the one, the, I, I would have gone for it, but I don't think that was the as bad a call. Honestly, I think let's get let's we're questioning all these calls now, but they didn't go for two after the touchdown before their last field. So their last touchdown of the game, Bucks didn't go for two in that situation. And now should have the score pulled up in front of me. But if they had gone for two in that situation, I think it would have put them in a more advantageous spot throughout the rest of the game to be able to make a decision, you know, it would have put them in a spot to like go for nine, you know, where we've been a nine or seven points, um, you know, if they didn't get it. So I thought that was where they should have gone for two in but that if situation. They if, they, if they didn't make it in that situation, then it is just a seven point game. And we're in overtime last night though. Again, yeah. it's right. all, you know, backseat driving well, uh, or, or, you know what, every football coach, I've but if you do get the two point conversion and then you get the field goal yes. on the next drive, yes. which, you know, it's it over. would have been an yeah. easy decision to kick that right. field goal and go up nine is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. You're My, right. Every football coach I've ever been around uh, has, you know, I, I, what I've seen and what I believe is you don't chase points until you need them. So you don't sit there in the third quarter and go for two. If you need to go for two, then you do it on your last touchdown of the game, per se, rather rather than trying to chase – well, I shouldn't even say chase points because what happens is if you miss it, then you are chasing points. You're chasing that missed field goal that you blew by not getting the two-point conversion. So I think you get the extra points until you need to go for two at the end of a game. I, I don't think that, that you shortchange yourself um, and try to correct the score by the second or third quarter, you know. But I mean, you know, th- th- that's a risk that you kind of have to take, you know. And yeah. uh, and guys, I-, I took some risks at my bookie over the weekend, and I oh did boy. not do very well. I did not. Mm. Yeah. Oh boy, I did not. Would do it be very related well. to the one Kansas State Wildcats? Uh, that was that was one of my many losses. Um, oh I also I also took the Bucks in the spread last night, and so mm. uh, took a little bit of a Yikes. bath there on that. But you know what? Mm. Uh, all is all is right with the world. You know why? It's Tuesday, fellas, and we got another weekend coming up. Ever since I started doing this for a living, people always ask me for advice covering sports. Usually, it's you know who's going to win and what team should they bet on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not a professional gambler, nor do I like to give out that advice. But the one piece of advice I'm going to give you is I'm going to tell you where to bet because, honestly, that's just as important as who you're betting on. And that's why for three years now I've told people to bet at my bookie. And I don't just read these scripts and 
and do this because they're a sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. I do this because that's where I go to place my bets. They've got deposit matches, free bets, huge cash prizes for you to take advantage of all season long. NFL, action, check. College football, check. Plus, they've got a mobile-friendly website, top-of-the-line customer service, making their platform the one-stop shop for all your betting needs. MyBookie offers action on everything from championship futures to NFL in-game live betting. And they're making sure that you've got every base covered every step of the way. Sign up today at MyBookie. When you do, use the promo code PEWTER, P-E-W-T-E-R. John, you're going to put that up for us? Oh, and, yeah. and And when you use the promo code PEWTER at MyBookie, they're going to give you a halfway match in your deposit. So that means if you put in $200 – they're going to give you another hundred dollars to play with. It's Whoa. a bonus. To, it's right. It's free, it's, money. it's free money. It's free money, Mark. It is. It's a like bonus designed to give you a little bit of help and a head start to your winning season. And the great thing about this is, is you don't have to like start at the beginning of the season. You can start by creating your account at my bookie today. And the great thing is, is with the promo code pewter, they're going to give you uh, a halfway deposit match. So if you put in 400 bucks, they're going to give you 200 stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more await you. Sign up today and begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Not MyBookie. We welcome everybody my who's uh, not MyBookie, right. but at no. MyBookie. Correct. Right. Uh, we welcome everybody who's jumping into the show and watching the live show here and everybody who's listening to the podcast after we've been live. Uh, Y'all have been great. We have been uh, so excited about the way this thing has gone with the live show, the Peter Report podcast, going live four days a week. We've added over 1,000 subscribers in the last couple weeks. Uh, If you're new here and you haven't subscribed yet and you're like, man, I might be worth, this might be worth checking out once or twice, uh, you know, go over and subscribe, Peter Report TV, hit that uh, subscribe button, hit the notifications button to get notified when we go live. Check us out. Give it a chance. I think you'll have a lot of fun with us talking box football. Tell your friends and family too, everybody that you know, that loves Bucks football, spread the word, send them this link when we go live. You know, you guys are honestly as much a part of this as we are in yes. terms of building this thing up. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build this thing into the best Bucks coverage that you'll ever see. We want to have every base covered. We want to hear from you. We want your questions. We want your comments. We want things you want added to the show. We want you to tell your loved ones. You know, tell your friends and family about the show. Send them the link. Remind them we go live. You know, you y'all are a huge part of why Peter Report has had an unbelievable year and unbelievable success. And you're a huge part of why it'll be that way moving forward as well. And every, and John, every bit Mark, that y'all can do for us we, helps a ton we, in that regard. We, we've got Alp here from Turkey last night at, at midnight Eastern time, we're doing the show and we had people from Australia, India, Brazil yeah. on the show. So it's awesome. Not just to, to have this, this portal to you Buccaneer fans that are in Tampa Bay uh, or in the state of Florida, or even in the domestic U.S., but also around the world, and that's awesome to see. Mm-hmm. We actually, Mark, uh, last night we had uh, a super chat from India, and they paid us a hundred dollars in rupee, what? which is right. an Indian. It's an Indian hundred rupee, hundred rupee, yep. which was a dollar thirty. I would have preferred a dollar thirty and, and a, a groupie, well, but uh, you know, but you know, groupie rupee, it's fine. Yeah, but uh, it's 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 pretty cool. It's really cool to have this this platform and forum to talk with you guys, answer your questions, and let's get right back into and, it. And Absolutely. One other thing, one other thing for for people who are catching parts of this live, just remember. I mean, if you can't watch it live, we appreciate you watching it live. It's still available on all of your downloads. You can still download all of these podcasts. Yep. Listen on the go. 
Um, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll re I'll, if I'm a passenger in a car and I missed the show, if I wasn't on it, uh, I'll watch the YouTube and play it through the car. Mm -hmm. So it's great sound quality, but of course it's still right. on SoundCloud, cloud, iTunes, all of the uh, major uh, platforms as well. So, um, anyway, right. go ahead. Sorry. Jonathan Stone asked a good question. Uh, kind of denotes what we were talking about earlier. Why does Leftwich feel we have to run up the middle on every first down, let Brady rip it? And I was getting to these stats a little bit, but the uh, the Bucks in this game, honestly, they threw the ball more on first down than they ran it. 18 passes to 13 runs on first downs. Even if you take out that two-minute drive before halftime, which was obviously going to be pass-heavy, the Bucks still threw on 14 first downs, ran on 13. Now, it shouldn't be 50-50 in my opinion. It should be more like a more like a 70-30 type of breakdown or 65-35 at the most type of breakdown. That's what would be ideally optimal to me, obviously, depending on game situation. But the Bucks were crazy productive on first down throws, and they went heavy first down throws in the second half. And it's the biggest reason why, other than Daniel Jones' mistakes and boneheaded plays, that they won the game. Leftwich changed his strategy. He only ran, like I said, on six first downs in the second half, and three of those were on that last drive when they had the lead and were trying to drain some clock. So he basically abandoned the first down run in the second half. And they were highly productive as a result. Most of this production that I'm about to read came in the second half off of first down throws. On first down throws, Brady was 14 of 18, 164 yards, averaging over nine yards per attempt, two touchdowns. 14 of those yards did come on defensive pass interference. They had seven double-digit gains, the Bucs had. Three gains of 20 yards or more off first down passes. And the vast majority of those came in the second half. In the second half, they had two touchdowns, a three-yarder and an eight-yarder off of first down passes. The 14-yard DPI, a 16-yard gain, a 20-yard gain, a 20-yard gain, a 25-yard gain. These are all first down passes. Wow. One of the big reasons the Bucs won the game is because they went first down pass heavy. They went play action pass heavy. I think Byron Leftwich, even though I don't agree with everything he did in this game at all, but I think he deserves a lot of credit for his adjustments in the second half. I think it changed the way the offense operated. From that last second-half possession, they were field goal, field goal, touchdown, punt, touchdown, field goal to finish off the game. So yeah. five of their last six drives, scoring drives. Yes, I think there could have been some better things in the red zone by a lot of different people um, and just outside the red zone by a lot of different people in the offense, but I think – Leftwich honestly deserves more credit than he's probably getting. He's probably getting a little too much criticism. Let's put it that way for this. Yeah, game. I, I was criticizing him last night a little bit, especially just running, you know, into the teeth of of the Correct. giant strength, which is their defensive tackles and Blake Martinez. Yeah. John, a quick question for you, since you're our, our resident Antonio Brown expert, uh, having covered the Pittsburgh Steelers those years. Uh, Greg DeCruz, a good friend of the pod, asks. Do you think we will see A.B. coming out of the backfield on screens? Lord knows we have no running backs who can make people miss. Was that ever a, a gadget play that they used at uh, – because I've seen it before yes. where you have a wide receiver. D did the Steelers ever engage in that and use Antonio Brown that way at all? Yes, Antonio Brown lined up just about everywhere for the Steelers. And Greg, great question, and always appreciate you tuning in. You're always a faithful listener and, and and asking good questions. And, yeah, I think it's, it's something I've thought about a lot, actually. So Greg is kind of reading my mind. It's like – because the Bucks running backs are so pitiful in the pass game, it's it's I'm almost like tempted to like what kind of solutions can there be out there, you know, to to make this thing work a little more. You got four wide receivers in the field. Can you put one of them in the backfield? And it's kind of like the Joe Haig thing. You have to be able to do multiple things off of it. Otherwise, you become predictable really quick. And so 
Yes, I think that it's possible to use Antonio Brown out of the backfield. It will need to be sparingly. Like we're talking probably once or twice a game, I would guess. Um, I don't know what all you're going to do with him because at the same time, if you put Antonio Brown in the backfield and he's the only guy back there, everybody knows what it's going to be a pass. You know what I mean? So if you're taking a running back off the field, you just have to be prepared and they're obviously going to be keying on him. So if you're trying to run a screen with them, I don't know that that's going to be successful unless you've done other things off of it. So you have to almost be creative in the way you use him. I would almost use him as a decoy in those situations more than I would get him in the ball. There's just I just don't think anybody's going to fall for Jet a screen sweeps. with Jet with sweeps. him suddenly in the backfield. Jet yeah, does he have the like speed still for the, for the jet sweeps? You know, I, I, he's never been like a burner. It's never been Antonio Brown's thing, and so you know he was not really a heavy jet sweep guy for, in Pittsburgh. But like I said, they've used him lots of different ways. They've asked him to do lots of different things. He's very capable, but I think it more likely I would like to see some of the running plays replaced with some of those smoke routes and those wide receiver bubble screens and getting in the ball in those ways because that's where unless Chris Godwin's out there, those have been almost a wash for the for the Bucks this year. Yeah, and the true. running back screen game has been absolutely atrocious. The execution's bad, the timing's bad. The guys can't catch the ball. And even when they catch the ball, why would you want to prioritize in this offense with all the players they have? You cannot prioritize design plays to put the ball in your worst playmaker's hands. Fournette, Ronald Jones, they are not making people miss. They are not finding creases in space. They're not getting upfield quickly with the ball in their hands on, in the screen game. I don't. I know, I know you can't completely cut out the screen game, but the Bucs probably called three screens last night that had just – they, yeah, just, and you, you they should have Ronald executed Jones, better. They didn't. Ronald Jones, 5.8 yards per catch. And and then you look at Fournette six point three, you know. So I mean, both those numbers are just terrible for a running. Well, the Buccaneers should have they, they should have drafted a running back in the third round this year. That would have solved all of their trouble. <laughs> so yeah. oh, where's Keyshawn Vaughn all of a sudden? Right. He's, but but he's this is a good point, yeah. honestly. This is a Sneak. good point That's because right. the, yeah. what the Bucks needed this offseason was a back that they could catch the football consistently. What did Bruce Arians tell us at the combine? He said yeah. the biggest thing he scouts, the most important thing to him, is a back that can catch the football consistently. Right. They went out in the offseason and they knew it was a need. They looked at LaShawn McCoy and they brought him and they looked at Fournette and they brought him and they looked at Keyshawn Vaughn and they drafted him in the third round. And none of those guys have been the answer to that problem. So it wasn't a problem of the Bucs knew what they needed. They knew what they were trying to get. They got all the wrong players for the role. I mean, Fournette well, might be they, capable, but there's nobody on this team that's above average in the passing game. And that would have been helpful, I think. I don't think it's the end of the world. I just think it would have been helpful and it's, it wasn't good scouting. I, 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 I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk. I've got to ask Douglas O'Connor in the chat who's yelling at me that I've interrupted four <laughs> times. So, Douglas, is it is it okay if I speak now? Douglas is always in here. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's, he's a good dude on Twitter, too. Um, uh, yeah, no, but here's the problem though, with that is is the best running backs were gone. I mean, they were just gone. So, or would yeah. you rather have, uh, you know, Antoine Winfield Jr., or would you rather have I'd rather J.J. Have JJ I would rather Cam have J.J. Adams. Taylor. Arizona well, running back. And and the guy the Bucks wanted was Antonio uh, Gibson out of Memphis. That's the guy yeah, that really yeah. broke their heart. When he went to the Redskins, a couple spots ahead of them, that's right. that's the guy they really wanted. He would have been a perfect fit for this offense. Well, we do have we, to talk we, about the se secondary a little bit, right? Because yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So a couple people have asked about what do we – what do we what, you know, somebody asked. Let's see if I can find it here and throw it up on the screen. But I saw somebody ask – what exactly is going on in the secondary? Is Jamel Dean, was he really as bad as he looked last night, or were the announcers yes. blowing it up and no, making it seem worse? He was no, terrible. He was, he was, he was Seattle terrible, except Russell yeah. Wilson wasn't the quarterback. I almost tweeted, Jones, I tweeted my drafts, right. Mark. If, if, you I know, swear. And, I and we have been touting you got to get Dean on the field, just put him in. 
you know, enough of this keeping him off the field and just put Murphy put in base, into the slot. Right? Holy yeah. crap. Now maybe we know why he hasn't been in that position because I'm telling you it was going to be a Seattle game if uh, if Daniel Jones wasn't a terrible quarterback. Yeah, and the, the struggle is that Sean Murphy bunting wasn't very good either, and, and yep. he saw his role diminish significantly. He played 38 snaps. He went from 100% snaps – a game guy to playing just over 50, you know, in this game. And I wasn't, they were more three safety looks. They were clearly prioritizing, you know, Sean Murphy bunting below some other guys, Mike Edwards, 20 snaps other than the Broncos game where he stepped in for an injury. That was his most snaps of the season. I think the Bronco, honestly, what the Bucks I'm sorry, are moving toward is Antoine Winfield playing some more slot snaps, playing a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. Mike Edwards playing more deep. Jordan Whitehead playing in some sheltered role and slash getting him and Murphy bunting off the field or using them situationally. I think you could see one guy use more than the other, but they've recognized, I think what, what I wrote, I wrote about this past week that I wrote about, well, you got to get Jamel Dean and Mike Edwards on the field more and Sean Murphy bunting yeah. and, J- and Jordan Whitehead on the, on the field less. They can yeah. still play, but you have to figure out the matchups each week and you have to prioritize right. getting your best guys on the field. And I still feel point, great about it with Mike Edwards. Jamel yeah. Dean had a tough game. I still want to ride with him, though. Yeah, and, and to your point, uh, you look at, at the snap counts. Uh, Mike Edwards, 20 plays last night, and and Jamel Dean didn't come off the field. I mean, he and, and Carlton Davis were on the field every single down. They played 74 snaps on defense. Sean Murphy Bunting had his most reduced role of the year, playing just 51% of the snaps. He logged 38 plays out there, but I think I think you're right. I think you're going to see a little bit more Mike Edwards and a little bit less Sean Murphy Bunting because uh, Edwards can also play in addition to safety. He can also play some nickel, or he can play free safety, and you move Antoine Winfield to the nickel role too. So there's versatility there that they can uh, Todd Bowles can use those players in different roles. Well, Jamel, there's a ton of negativity toward Jamel Dean right now, though. Like, I, I think they made the right decision. That's one game, folks. No, I, one I game. It was the right decision. He didn't right. need to come off the field last night because he didn't cover anybody. He just kind of stood there and let guys run by him. <laughs> you know, had he been chasing all those guys that ran by him, then yeah, he might have needed a breather. But uh, it, it was, you know, it was. It's so weird. This guy is so strange, man. He's strange in the locker room, Scott. Dressing up in Halloween costumes yeah. before that Seattle game last year. I, he was I follow him on social media. From, I, I, I like the guy. He's yeah. uber talented, you know what I mean? But he's just got to get lassoed in, focused in, whatever you want to call it, because he just has these lapses sometimes, man, where he gets caught looking at the quarterback or peeking in the backfield. And guys, John are Murphy bunted too him. last night, especially yeah. on the touchdown. You know, he, yeah. you, could, you could tell from that angle, he, he just was looking, and all of a sudden, it's not good it, when. When when the wide receiver, what's what's the phrase? If you're even, you're leaving, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so it's it's not I, yeah. good. You, but, you, but I thought Lewis to... Riddick made a great point. Damn it! And this frustrates me watching Florida State a lot because I think their defensive backs are coached so poorly. You have the end line, right? The guy yeah. can't catch the ball seven rows in the stands. That is an right. extra defender. You've got to use that. You've got to yeah. run to the boundary. You, you, there's no need to ever stop and pull up when you got a guy running by you towards the goalpost or towards the end of the end zone. Use that as help. I, I just it's frustrating to me to see see those guys, you know, making simple basic mistakes. That Scott, you taught your cornerbacks in youth football. I mean, use the yeah. boundary, use the yep. end line. You know, as help, that's an extra defender for you. But anyway, again, yeah, I mean, I'm I think on my Jamel couch and in my boxers, 
you know, eating Doritos and I've got cheese all over my fingers while, you know, Jamel <laughs> Dean's running around out there. Yeah, it's Sean Murphy Bunting. Well, not you know, coming he up said, with interceptions. He said he, well, he, said well, he Marcus, wasn't running and he wasn't tired. Yeah, it, at least you're manscaped sitting in there in your boxers. So you got that right. My, uh, I've, oh, my balls have never been so toned. And, and speaking of that, just to let you know, because if you listen to our, our post game podcast, Manscaped is one of our sponsors. We're, we're giving away t-shirts to the first 10 signups we've already had five from that show so we have five t-shirts left to give so if you go to manscaped make a purchase there sign up for manscaped and mention the promo code pewter you're going to get 20 percent off plus free shipping we're not going to do the whole spiel because that's just for for, for post game podcast but uh we do have this offer so all you have to do is, is once you sign up email me at sr at pewterreport.com sr at pewterreport.com and and send me the the uh, the emailed order that you get it doesn't have any, any of your your financial information on it but it does have your address where we mm -hmm. can send the t-shirt then we'll have Allison get in contact with you and, and you can pick out what color t-shirt you want and the size so manscape.com we got five more t-shirts to give away it makes a great gift for yourself or a loved one uh, with the holidays coming up and, and you know what you don't have to just manscape with it I uh, actually uh, shaved my back. I don't know if you guys can see this. Uh, you can shave your back with the Manscaped thing. Thankfully, just, I can't. Uh, uh, yeah, we jewels. can't see that, and that's that's a good thing. So I carved SR in my chest hair. Uh, Please don't, don't do that. Why. That's it's not too appropriate. Late. Too late, um, buddy. Or welcomed. I'll show it off next episode. <laughs> well, HR funny. is HR is gonna hear from Scott. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Scott is HR. You don't know that, do you, yet, John? <laughs> SR and SR is also oh. HR. You're right. I am human yeah. resources. So yeah. Small uh, one th other important thing to remember about Jamel Dean, though, in that conversation uh, is that I just think in the NFL corners get beat. I mean, I, I think that fans got to understand that like everybody gets beat. Now, you can't get beat as many times as he did last night, and you can't give up as many big plays as yeah. he you know, should have last night if Daniel Jones right. is accurate. That's 100% true. But yeah. nobody's coming out here and not allowing a catch. I mean, what Stephon Gilmore did last year was crazy. And what Stephon Gilmore is doing this year is looking like an ordinary corner. And that's what, honestly, he's been a good corner most of his career. He was unbelievable last year, but it hardly ever lasts a corner. Like almost always you end up getting beat because in the passing game is just that hard. So you got to find guys that make plays on the ball. You got to find guys that don't kill you. And that's why I mean about not giving up big plays. He can't continue to do that. That's absolutely true and accurate. Right. We can criticize him for that while still saying the larger sample size of Jamel Dean over now almost a full games a year's worth of games has been really good. And I'd rather see him play poorly for a longer stretch of time before I'm ready to condemn him because he's yeah. just got too much talent and he's made too many splash plays for this team. And what are they going to do? Like <laughs> go back to Sean Murphy. We've seen how Sean Murphy right. bunting that ship sails and there's no question Dean has more uh, upside, and Ryan there's not another Smith, option. Here, what so. are you thinking, John? <laughs> another ship that we've is seen. Matthew Wilkins still on the team? I don't know. You know who doesn't get beat, guys? You know who can't be beat in the Tampa Bay area? Ooh, tell us. My good friends at Briar Greaves. They just can't be beat for the best coverages, the widest variety of coverage, whether it's commercial, whether it's personal, whether it's your auto, whether it's life insurance. Any type of insurance, they can do it. They've been in business for over 30 years, family-owned and operated. Briar Greaves, his son Sam, terrific people. I actually dealt with them last week on a minor claim that I've got on an outdoor building of mine. Immediately after emailing uh, Sam, I got a quick call 
and uh, and an email, and the process has already been started. That's how good they are. They take care of their customers, and they do a great job. If you need insurance, make sure to give them a call. Uh, you can reach them, uh, or you can stop by their office on Henderson, or you can reach them over at 813-876-4166. Again, 813-876-4166. You can also visit them online on at Briar greavesinsurance.com give them a call they're big buccaneer fans they love to talk buccaneer football but more importantly they'll make sure you your family your home your business your auto uh even if you've got some dresses like they and they insured princess diana's dresses when they traveled the country a few years ago i mean look if uh if if westminster abbey calls and wants insurance on dresses for princess diana the least you can do is call and get a quote on your homeowners your life or your auto policy. Again, Briar Greaves are our good friends. Give them a call. Tell them you are a listener to the Pewter Report podcast, 813-8776-4166. And Mark, guess who is the is the newest Briar Greaves insurance customer? I wonder. I was wondering when John was going to sign up. No, no me. Oh, me. you. Oh, yeah. You finally called? Yes. Yeah, I wow. did. I called. I called and I talked with Briar and Sam last week. They reviewed my policy and guess what they did? Save me money. money. Yes, I get the pretty much the exact same policy. My previous insurance company was overselling me on a couple of things. They they were charging me a little bit too much and and Briar said, "Hey, I think you can you can dial it back here a little bit and save some money." And I was like, "Heck yeah, let's do it." Well, they're good people, and uh, they, yes. they've been my personal uh, insurance for my homeowners for years. And now and, they're mine. Uh, they do a terrific job. Now they're Scots. We just got to get John to maybe get hey, a call at some point. If I get down there, I'm telling you, they're going to be first call, no doubt about it. I, hey, I promise. We'll need, have another I, one of these. I'm pretty sure they can sell you life insurance uh, up in Pennsylvania. It's That's true. Know, That's true. Call. And, uh, I got to pull yeah, that trigger. Insurance, I tell people all the time. Everybody needs some type of insurance. Everybody either owns a home, a car, um, has a life that they want to insure, all of those things. So there is a need for every one of our listeners right now to give a call, even from uh, Ipin Yaman from Turkey. Give them a call. Uh, don't call yeah. Collect from Turkey, though. You'll have to just be on your dime, of course. Yeah, I, speaking of, of foreign countries, I did want to recognize, and I, I'm, not, I'm not saying – that the Dara O'Brien's necessarily from a foreign country, but I'm guessing by the name and the fact that it's five pounds that uh, that we probably have an international fan. So thank you I would very say much. Ireland. I would say Ireland. Is it Ireland? I, I, I would think Ireland. that, that the seems UK like a safe bet. Safe bet. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So uh, I love the new podcast format and John has been a great addition. I think this gives us a, a quick opportunity to uh, briefly run down our, our typical week. Our typical week is a post-game podcast on Sunday night after the game. Then we have the, the Monday wrap-up show where we hear from Bruce Arians and all of and, and the players they make available to us. Then we take Tuesday off. and 4 then have 4 p.m. Eastern, yeah. Yes, 4 on p.m. Monday. on Mondays. And 4 p.m. on Wednesdays, we have our preview podcast where we talk about the next week's game. And then mm -hmm. John uh, usually flies solo, but with the guest. Um, in this additional type of preview, maybe Bucks centric, maybe opponent centric, yeah. and that's also usually if it's East Coast time, usually four o'clock on Thursday. So four o'clock is kind of our time. This week, mm -hmm. though, however, the game being last night, we're going to have uh, another podcast tomorrow, four o'clock. That's our preview show, and we got one today at four o'clock. So mm -hmm. four o'clock Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. And then we'll kind of go back to our norm normal schedule as the Buccaneers 
uh, go back to Sunday games. But there'll be that Rams game coming up on Monday night. In a couple weeks, we'll do the exact same thing. Have a post-game podcast Monday night and then do Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday in a row at 4 o'clock. So, and if the Buccaneers sign any more troubled, uh, crazy, nutty guys like they did with Antonio Brown, then John will do an emergency one on Friday night. That's like right. A couple That's weeks right. Ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We even bring you emergency content here at PeterReport.com and on the Peter Report right. podcast. Thank Greg, you, Greg. Appreciate love it. you. Appreciate you. Uh, Thanks, we Greg. got uh, Greg, our last hey, question. Let me just to... say, Greg, Greg is a... Uh, Greg may be the big, I don't want to say this because people will get mad, but he is absolutely one of the biggest Bucks fans and Pewter Report fans out there. He is all over Twitter uh, on game day all throughout the week. He listens to us on 620. He listens to our, our, our radio interviews. He does a great job. He is in, um, he is in um, uh, Canada, and uh, yeah. he usually comes down. This year he hasn't able, been able to do that because of the travel restrictions and things like that, so he'll have to double up and come for two games next year. Anyway, shout yep. out to Greg and stop complaining Absolutely. about the screen being blurry. We've already discussed this. You don't understand, guys. Keep you firing away with those blurry. super chats, and right. we're going to get some some better camera equipment all the way around. That's right. Go all super chat donations one. will go to Mark for a new camera. There he we go. Gonna... All right. All right. Here, here we go. go. Oh, Lope. let's go, Dragon Low. Here we go. Appreciate you. Thank you. We got to close out this show with a big question as we get ready for a four-game stretch, which will, I think, in a lot of people's minds, l- tell us where the Bucks should rank. Should they be considered a top five, a top three, a top two team in the NFL um, right now? A lot of people saying they're the best team in the NFL, at least before their narrow uh, victory over the, the Giants last night um, or on Monday Night Football. Now the question then becomes – where should they rank in the NFC? You know, let's just focus on the NFC for a second and, and think about where they should rank in this conference. Cause this conference is a complete mystery right now. I mean, green Bay goes out and loses to Minnesota after they got drilled by the box and everybody, you know, okay, there's some weird things happened in that game, but still like, they got drilled by the box. That was concerning enough. You got and lose to Minnesota. And for most of that game, it wasn't that close either. I yeah. mean, Minnesota is struggling mightily. They're offloading guys. They're starting, fifth and sixth stringers in the secondary and the Packers are making it work. It just seems like consistency is hard for the Packers. Seattle can't stop anyone. Nick Mullins comes in the game and lights it up. I'm not saying he almost won the game for him. Maybe I took it too far when I tweeted that earlier, but um, he brought them back in a game. They had no, not no business being in. I mean, they've been, they've barely beaten a lot of bad teams this season. They can't defend the pass and they don't have a pass rush and that's a problem, but their offense unbelievable. You know, I, I think that that's one of the best offenses, maybe the best one, in the league, and Russell Wilson's an elite player. The Saints, Drew Brees does not throw the ball down the field. I mean, it, going into this week's game, I haven't checked since it, but he had nine pass attempts of 20 yards or more on the season. That's like what Brady has in a game. I mean, that's ridiculous. They just, they the whole section of the field is off limits to them. Michael Thomas is at issues there. The defense has been terrible so far this season. The pass rush hasn't been what they hoped it would be. They're getting some guys back healthy. I think the Saints' best football might be ahead of them still, but where do the Bucs rank in this NFC? Mark, we'll start with you and then go over to Scott. Where do you think the Bucs should rank in the NFC right now? doesn't mean they'll be there at the end of the year, but where do you think they should rank in this up-and-down NFC right now? I want to see what happens on Sunday. They have to beat the bully. The Saints have had the Buccaneers numbers for four straight games. The last time the Buccaneers beat the Saints, Ryan Fitzpatrick was your quarterback. Jameis Winston was suspended. That's the last yep. time. And the games since then really honestly haven't been that close. Sometimes the scores are a little closer than the game actually indicates. The, the Saints thoroughly beat the Buccaneers in week one this year. Um, this Yes, and earlier this season. Um, I think it's, it's Seattle, 
1A, the Saints 2A. And I say the Saints because until somebody dethrones them, they're still the champs in my opinion. But in the, but in, you can't just look at it. On paper, the Buccaneers are as good as any team in the entire NFL. But we've got to look at it in terms of matchups. We talked about it with that Pittsburgh game on Sunday, John. The Buccaneers do not, in my opinion, would not match up well at all with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, if you just strictly on paper, you look at the two teams, I think the Buccaneers were, are a little bit better. But the way the Steelers play, uh, their mentality, and the matchups, the Steelers are a better football team. And right now, I think the Saints are a better football team than the Bucs based on the way that they play and the fact that they're physical up front. And they've just been able to, you know, take care of the Buccaneers with ease. And, the, and every time they do it, it's more and more confidence. I heard Cam Jordan on an interview with Dan Patrick this morning. Uh, you know, he is a guy that he just doesn't believe they're going to lose. And, and they just got this mentality and this attitude that, uh, that they're better than the Buccaneers. And until the Buccaneers beat them, I'm going to say the Saints are a little bit better. The Seahawks just are just incredibly uh, talented offensively. And uh, but after that, I, I don't I would say the Bucks are the third best team. Hmm. Scott, right. what do you think? Mark, I agree with everything you said. And I'll make one little caveat. The Saints have beaten the Buccaneers, but in all of those games, all of those Saints wins over the Buccaneers, the Bucs have also beat themselves. Let's rewind sure. back to week one, right? We had the, the, the pick six from Tom Brady. We had um, another interception that game from Brady. Uh, the Buccaneers Vita Vita had, jumping off sides. Yeah. That would still burn. Yeah, yeah it, well, and, and that in that game, they had nine penalties for 103 yards. Okay, yeah. so – so that week one Buccaneer team, yeah, they're, they're, you're going to lose to the Saints probably twice a year, every year, if you play like that. What I've liked from this Buccaneer team is since the Bears game, and we heard Bruce Arians say it again today, the Bears game, they had 11 penalties, 109 uh, yards. We saw the turnovers in Chicago. And since then, the Buccaneers had zero penalties against the Packers, four penalties for 20 yards against the Raiders, three penalties, 20 yards against the Giants. This has become a much more disciplined football team all of a mm -hmm. sudden. They're not turning the ball over. They're not having the penalties that aid good teams like the Saints in beating the Bucs. So when it's the Bucs versus the Saints, right now, I like the Bucs. But if it's Bucs versus the Saints and themselves, which is what it's been like the last couple of years with this yeah, undisciplined man. football team, then, yeah, I think the Saints still have uh, the crown. And, and I, I like you, Mark. I, I, I'm kind of like that, that Ric Flair, you know, mantra. You know, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And so it's put up or shut up time for the Buccaneers. They, they've got to take care of business on Sunday night and beat the Saints to truly uh, have a stranglehold on that NFC South title. And I think they can do it as yes. long as they, as they stay in this lane of not beating themselves because I like yeah. what I've seen so far from this team that – that doesn't have these self-inflicted wounds, John. And they got to no, no. keep their head against the Saints, too, because it is the Buccaneers' most fierce rivalry. I don't care yeah. what people say about Atlanta or, or, or the Panthers. These two teams dislike each other. Cam Jordan talking smack when Donovan Smith got his new mm -hmm. contract a couple years ago. I mean, they just don't like each other. Mike Evans, we know what's happened in those games in the past. Even Jameis Winston uh, popping Lattimore in the back of the head on the sideline, I think it was. Yeah. I mean, you know, don't allow the Saints to get the Buccaneers out of their game and become that penalty machine. Um, you know what I mean? Bad things are going to happen. The Saints are going to score some points. Alvin Kamara is probably going to have a better game than he did in week one. But if they play their game, they can absolutely, in my opinion. They can definitely. I'm not picking them yet, but they can beat the Saints. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. So Scott, you would say that the Bucks are what rank in the NFCs? Where the midseason point? So where do you think right now would you rank them in the NFC? In the NFC, I I, I still think they're the, the class of of the league. Um, the only team that scares me is really Seattle, just because mm-hmm. of Russell Wilson. At any yeah. given moment, he can have one of those 375 yard, uh, four touchdown days, and he can have another touchdown on the ground and rush for 70 yards. Right? He, he's just right. that that X factor. That's the other team that really concerns me. Not so much from the defensive side, John. I agree with you, but Russell Wilson. When you look at, at the MVP race right now. It really, in my opinion, it's three guys. It's it's mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, it's Tom Brady, and it's Patrick Mahomes right now. I think those three quarterbacks are playing at, at that NFL uh, MVP caliber level. Mm-hmm. Right, not, right. Not Nick Foles. No, not Nick Foles. Um, no, I think that you guys are right. Uh, you know, I think that Seattle's the only team that I would take. I, I put them over the Bucks today when I tweeted out my power rankings. But honestly, you could convince me either way. I mean, Bucks clearly have a better defense most weeks, and uh, I think that that does matter some. But I do give you know the edge offensively to Seattle, not yeah. talent wise, but right. just based on execution. Seattle has been so good at executing on offense this season. They can right. run the ball. They can throw the ball. They throw the ball in early downs all the time. They Brian Schottenheimer has suddenly transformed into a pass-heavy coach. They have let Russell Wilson cook. He has delivered and been absolutely magnificent. Um, you know, they hit big plays down the field. They have tons of weapons. They can mount 10 play drives. They can hit a shot play drives, you know, and, and score in a play. So I think they're the probably the would say they're the best team in the NFC, but I think they can absolutely be beaten by several teams behind them. They already lost to Arizona in yep. a game they absolutely should not have lost to because right. they can't defend. And um, so that matters. And I think the Bucs do have that edge. If the Bucs consistently don't beat themselves, they're the best team in the NFC, though. I don't think there's any question about that. If they play to their yep. potential and they don't beat themselves, I think they're the best team in the NFC. But you're right, that has to be sustained. And and last night gave me gives me pause on saying that they're past that point and until they prove it really in this slate of games coming up, I don't think they have to win all four. You're playing great, great, great teams. I get that. No, I don't think yeah. they have to win all four of these games coming up, but I think that they need to win. You know, they need to win three of them. You know, I think that winning them and, and also playing well in them and playing clean football, not beating yourself. You know, I think that's, that's important um, when it comes to these matchups against premier opponents yeah. and the Saints and, game's going to be the first step. Th- to your point, I think that this is going to be a playoff caliber game on Sunday night football, Absolutely. right? Against the Saints. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then yep. you're gonna have you're gonna have another playoff caliber game, I think, with the Rams coming up on Monday Night Football, in two weeks after that. And then you're gonna have another playoff caliber game against the Chiefs. So I think those those three yep. matchups are important because you mentioned Seattle, John, and the thing about Seattle is they're playoff tested, right? They they make the playoffs every year as the division champion or a wild card, and that's where they would have the the edge over the Buccaneers come January. So I think for the Buccaneers in this young playoff, or this young team that, that doesn't have any playoff experience outside of guys like Brady and Gronk and Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, they need to play well in these games because these are playoff caliber games. And if they play well in these games coming up in, in November, I think it could bode well for them in January. I agree with that. I agree with that. One other thing on the Camara, and a lot of people are mentioning it in the chat too, um, you know, you got to stop him first and foremost. The one thing the Buccaneers defense, we were talking about weaknesses earlier. 
um, is is finding those running backs coming out of the backfield. When you blitz, as Todd Bowles likes to do, that's when a guy like Drew Brees is going to slip Alvin Kamara out of the backfield, and 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 that's when you can be gouged because then everything is man on man. And if you, if the guy covering Kamara doesn't get to him uh, or gets blocked, then it could turn into a big play. So stop him. Wait, you're talking about the guy covering him. Kamara. You mean Devin White, the guy that gave up a touchdown last yes. night yes. to Deion Lewis. Yes. yes. And again, I was talking to my son about that. That was the that I don't in in if Daniel Jones makes that throw a hundred times I don't know that he completes it more than one time I mean right. it was just the most perfect throw throw Devin catch. White was was all over him Dion sliding to make the catch I mean it was just it was as much of a fluke to me as the Ronald Jones fumble doesn't matter it counted as seven points well six and an extra point of course yeah. Anyway, somebody also said that uh, it looks like my house is on fire. I should get out of here. That's just not true. That is not smoke. Uh, I'm Well, no, I'm not even going to get into the glaucoma talk. But, no, it's not smoke. There's been no smoking in the house, and uh, and it's not on fire that I know of. But I will get out. There's a window close. But I'll get a better camera at some point. Speaking of getting out, we got to get out of here. Guys, we really appreciate you joining us, uh, and we'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock previewing – the Saints game and really kind of getting in depth. So bring your Saints, Bucks questions and comments and super chats. We love those. And uh, we will help get uh, new camera equipment for the Future Report podcast. Starting with Mark, apparently that's where you want the, the first uh, new camera to go to is Mr. Cook. So, and, and uh, I'm we'll, doing the sh- I will, the first show I'm going nude. You guys want to see me in HD? <laughs> you're going to see me manscaped in the nude the entire show. Kill it. Now, gr- Try to break. <laughs> Granted, I'll stay below the table, but anyway, there you just go. kidding. Yeah. All right, that, guys. That, that's, well, that's what HR would, would recommend. So. And SR and, yeah. and, uh, and JL and MM and uh, TJ as well. Yeah. All right, for John Ledyard, Scott Reynolds, I'm Mark Cook saying we will see you tomorrow on Wednesday with another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.